Welcome back, Sobertown. Todd Crafter with another recording from SobertownPodcast.com, your one-stop resource for all things sobriety and recovery. Today I'll be discussing alcohol and medication, and a shout-out to Brian for the topic recommendation. If you'd like to reach me for any questions or comments, make sure you email me at SoberAustralia at gmail.com. Let's do it. Today we'll delve into the world of internal interactions between alcohol and medications. Every second, many thousands of billions of chemical reactions are occurring within our cells, and while many of these processes may be standard operating procedure for our cells, there are many reactions which involve the interaction of different chemicals which we introduce to our body. Foods interact with medications. Nutritional supplements or herbals interact with other supplements. Supplements interact with food. Medications interact with foods. And then there's alcohol. It interacts with everything. Basically, our body and its normal process of dealing with that which we introduce to its system may be altered depending on the mixture of what we throw at it at the same time. Basically, when we drink alcohol we cause vast amounts of alterations to the way in which many foods or medicines act within our body. Sometimes these interactions are nullifying, sometimes the interactions are enhancing, and sometimes the interaction is harmful and in some cases even deadly, such as the interaction between alcohol and some prescription medications and over-the-counter medications or herbal and nutritional supplements. Every single day, countless individuals swallow various prescription medications down with no real thought to what it may mean in relation to their lifestyle or concurrent consumption of other substances. Continuing habits outside of their medication use, which may have a demonstrable effect on their health or bodily function, and in some cases which may even be fatal. Two main types of interaction occur between medication and alcohol in the body. Type 1 is called pharmacokinetic interactions and the other type is called pharmacodynamic interactions. Pharmacokinetic interactions are where alcohol interferes with the metabolism of medication. Then pharmacodynamic is where the alcohol enhances the effect of the medication. Both can be harmful or detrimental, but through differing pathways. Pharmacokinetic interactions primarily occur within the liver, where the enzymes which process the medication may be affected and sometimes involve the same enzymes as those which process alcohol. Pharmacodynamic interactions relate most often to the nervous system and are especially prevalent when we look at sedatives whose action can be pharmacodynamically increased by the use of alcohol, posing a threat to the individual who may be creating an overdose of sorts in the sedative action of the medication. Types of prescription medications which interact with alcohol are numerous. Quote, Antibiotics, antidepressants, antihistamines, barbiturates, benzodiazepines, Histamine H2 receptor antagonists, muscle relaxants, 
narcotic, non-narcotic pain medications, and anti-inflammatory agents, opioids, and warfarin. In addition, many over-the-counter and herbal medications can cause neg negative effects when taken with alcohol. How many of us would have used at least one of these varieties of medication legitimately and either gambled it or simply not realized that we should avoid using alcohol during the use of these drugs? Most of us would probably be the likely answer. While specific instruction to avoid alcohol is frequently overlooked at prescription and distribution of the drug, I should note, this information is based on research articles and is not to be considered medical advice, nor will I be listing specific drug names or chemical names. Instead, I'll be listing symptoms and potential interactions with alcohol based on broad medication uses, so that if you, the listener, feel you need further information based on your medication, you can delve into this with your medical practitioner, pharmacist, or other relevant professional. Safe to say, though, the best thing to do to avoid interactions with alcohol is do not drink alcohol. In fact, how about this? The best way to be great, feel great, avoid disease, and maximize the awesomeness of your life in general is to not drink alcohol. But back to it. Alcohol metabolism involves a process called first-pass metabolism. This is as it sounds. First-pass metabolism is the percentage of alcohol which is processed primarily by the liver as it, the first passage of alcohol-laden blood filters through the liver after we first start drinking. During this first pass, only a fraction of the alcohol is able to be processed by the liver and then the remainder passes through into general circulation to reach all other body tissues except for bone and fat tissue, and then to recirculate for processing after the first pass. First pass metabolism is usually only able to process about 10% or less of the alcohol in the blood, depending on multiple factors. Some research suggests that there are medications which block this first-pass metabolism of alcohol. Essentially, if this is blocked, then the level of alcohol in the blood will be higher than it normally would had the medication not blocked the initial metabolism. The mechanism for this occurrence is primarily due to the medication having the effect of blocking the action of alcohol dehydrogenase. This is an enzyme whose action is to break down alcohol. And so a medication which blocks the action of alcohol dehydrogenase logically would prevent processing of alcohol and result in the affected body becoming more intoxicated than it normally would. Medications which block alcohol dehydrogenase include aspirin and some medications which are used to treat heartburn and ulcers. This includes multiple very common medications for very common symptoms. Some figures suggest 20 to 30% of American adults experience heartburn regularly, for which many have used or do use medication. It's worth noting different types of heartburn medication work through different actions, and so not all medications treating these symptoms have this interaction with alcohol.
So a quick review. Some medications stop or reduce the action of the enzyme, which breaks down alcohol, effectively making you more drunk than you otherwise would be. And just a note, yes, this is a bad thing, not a good thing. Then, some medications speed up gastric emptying. This is the process whereby the stomach sends its contents to the duodenum, which is the first section of the small intestine after the stomach. It's here that the surface area increases and the alcohol can be absorbed into the blood more rapidly. So a medication which increases gastric emptying can increase the rate of alcohol entering the blood. And as such, this causes the first pass metabolism to be less effective at eliminating alcohol from the blood also. This is creating a greater level of intoxication for the same amount of alcohol consumed. Medications which cause increased gastric emptying include medicines aimed at stomach problems such as GERD, gastroesophageal reflux disease, and some antibiotic medications also. When I attended high school and university, it was often a brag to suggest you were sick and had been prescribed antibiotics and that you were still going to drink because you were such a fucking legend and didn't care that you were supposed to abstain from alcohol while on the medication. What a legendary act that was. What a bunch of dickheads we were. But I digress. So it would seem, based on some research, that yes, consuming alcohol while taking some forms of antibiotics, not all, but some, can cause you to become more intoxicated than usual due to increased gastric emptying, which reduces the efficacy of first-pass liver metabolism of alcohol. In addition to this, animal studies have found that rats, which were given antibiotics, which reduced bacteria in the colon, showed reduced elimination of alcohol. And if this result were to be the same in humans, then indeed antibiotics would have the effect of reducing alcohol processing ability in the body, potentially through another mechanism secondary to increased gastric emptying. Both result in a reduced capacity for the body to clear alcohol once it's been consumed. And this, to reiterate, is bad. So at this point in the discussion, we need to talk about the difference between moderate and heavy drinkers. In moderate drinkers, almost all of the alcohol should be processed in the liver by the enzyme alcohol dehydrogenase, as we already mentioned. However, in heavy or long-term drinkers, there is sometimes a difference in enzyme processing of alcohol. There is another enzyme called cytochrome P450, which is actually a system of two enzymes which can potentially metabolize alcohol as well. It can also metabolize acetaldehyde, the breakdown product of alcohol, and can break down the pain medication acetaminophen, the antibiotic isoniazid, and the barbiturate phenobarbital. Due to this ability, the cytochrome P450 enzyme plays a major role in medication and alcohol interactions. So back to the difference between moderate and heavy drinkers. As stated, 
Moderate drinkers use alcohol dehydrogenase to process alcohol. However, in heavy drinkers, one of the enzymes which forms the group of cytochrome P450 enzymes can be increased in its activity by 10 times the normal level, meaning this is then processing alcohol at an increased rate to what it should be. What this change in enzyme activity does in the heavy drinker is that it means two things. One is that this means the heavy drinker, when sober, processes many types of medications at an increased rate, making these medications less effective. But then, when the heavy drinker is drunk or drinking, these medications break down become slowed because the overactive enzyme is then essentially bogged down processing alcohol when alcohol dehydrogenase should be but is not. And then the medication is not processed. This is a bad outcome either way. Drugs are designed and prescribed based on normal operating conditions within a body, based on standards, and based on the fact that in heavy drinkers, depending on whether they are drinking or sober, the medication may either be broken down too rapidly or too slowly. Both of these differences can have very negative or even fatal effects, whereby the individual might have minimal medication effect where it's needed, which is dangerous, or may have slowed breakdown, causing a potential increase in the drug remaining in a system and leaving the potential for accumulation or overdose. As I said, both are very poor outcomes. What this outlines is that the question of drinking alcohol and medication does not simply come down to avoiding alcohol at the time of taking the medication and expecting everything will be fine if you do. What this states is that long-term changes due to drinking, in fact, cause alteration to your enzyme actions, which make it dangerous or ineffective to use certain medications, whether drinking or sober. Your long-term drinking could be preventing your medication from working due to the changes in enzymes within your body and liver. On this, firstly, our medical professionals very much need to be aware of these points. I know this is a small sample size, but I asked two medical doctors personally, did you know this? They both did not know of this potential enzyme adaptation. And I spoke to a pharmacist also asking if they convey this information to people. They do not convey this to people because the drugs having these effects relevant to them are so numerous. The problem with drinking causing the effect of future poor processing of some medications is that for medical doctors or pharmacists to be able to safely prescribe and distribute medication, knowing it will have the desired effect, they would have to know who of their patients and customers are heavy drinkers and potentially at risk. And heavy drinkers can be the most secretive, deceptive concealers of their habits even when they don't necessarily desire to be. Just a point here. Look your doctor in the eye and be honest with them and yourself about your levels of alcohol consumption.
if you don't, they cannot make the best decision for you and cannot prescribe medication safely. And that's not their fault. If you drink at unsafe levels and tell them and they say this isn't a problem, well, hey, maybe find a new doctor because it is. And research is vast in showing this fact. Just when you think there can't be any further mechanisms of interaction between alcohol and medications, think again. We each have a basal metabolic rate. This is essentially the amount of calories where we require to sustain, well, life's processes. Our metabolic rate also dictates factors such as breakdown of medications. When we drink alcohol, our metabolic rate is altered and it's slowed. This may have the effect in some people, especially those with a low metabolic rate to begin with, of reducing medication processing and in turn having potentially harmful effects. So, Sobertown, when we metabolize alcohol, the alcohol is converted to acetaldehyde, a baddie. Check out my previous article on ethanol and acetaldehyde. The acetaldehyde is broken down by an enzyme called aldehyde dehydrogenase 2 at low levels, and when acetaldehyde reaches high levels, another enzyme called aldehyde dehydrogenase 1 becomes active and breaks it down also. Acetaldehyde accumulating in the body is bad news, but among other things, it causes the individual to become very flushed red, involving a, a facial flushing and often nausea. Approximately 40% of Asians lack aldehyde dehydrogenase 2 activity due to an inactive gene. And so these individuals flush when consuming alcohol as their alcohol is converted to acetaldehyde and then the acetaldehyde accumulates in the body unable to be broken down. While some people lack the enzyme activity to process acetaldehyde, some medications as a direct or side effect prevent activity of this enzyme also. In these situations, it is clear we simply should not be drinking, as these medications will prevent the harmful acetaldehyde from being processed in the body, causing a lot of harm. One medication with the common name antabuse, specifically exploits this effect intentionally with the goal of making the drinker feel basically awful when, the drink, when they drink and feel acetaldehyde and the effects of acetaldehyde as it accumulates in the body. Medications which induce a change reducing activity in the aldehyde enzymes include some diabetes medications, cardiovascular medications, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, and also multiple types of antibiotics. Quote, These reactions not only are unpleasant, but also can result in serious medical consequences. For example, flushing is associated with a widening dilation of the blood vessels, low blood pressure, and rapid heartbeat, all of which can be dangerous in patients with coronary artery disease. Alcohol reduces the liver's ability to eliminate various substances from the body. 
Alcohol affects the liver's redox state and reduces glutathione levels. So the redox state is the concentration of two substances in the cell, NAD plus and NADH. I'll spare you the full names. These are needed for the functioning of many enzymes. Alcohol being processed by alcohol dehydrogenase enzyme, remember this is the primary enzyme tasked with alcohol breakdown, causes an imbalance where it increases the level of NADH in the cells. And then when NADH is increased, this has the effect of stimulating the generation of fat molecules, which interferes with the ability of other liver enzymes to break down fat molecules and produce glucose. And then this causes metabolic changes affecting general metabolism and function. Aside from these changes in metabolism being caused by alcohol, an increase in NADH in the liver cells can prevent the production of glucuronic acid. This is an acid which needs to be attached to some medications for them to be eliminated and excreted from the body. So, a quick summary of this information. Drinking causes an imbalance to the redox state, preventing proper function of enzymes, which are needed to process medications, as well as changing metabolism due to increased production of fat molecules, and prevents production of an acid needed to excrete some medications. Now, glutathione is an antioxidant, which prevents some reactive molecules from damaging the cells. Alcohol and some medications can cause reactive oxygen species, which cause oxidative stress within the cells. So while increased oxidative stress occurs due to some medications and alcohol to compound this problem, alcohol also reduces glutathione levels, especially within the mitochondria of cells, which are the cell's power plants. And since glutathione is a substance whose action is to reduce oxidative stress, causing a double up of allowed cell damage. So far, we've discussed primarily the pharmacokinetic interactions, but now to pharmacodynamic interactions. When pharmacodynamic interactions occur, the action is not through alteration of enzyme function as we've previously covered, but through an additive effect, which is primarily through action on the central nervous system. When this occurs, the alcohol use increases the drug effect without actually changing its concentration in our blood. Some medications in these instances act on cell receptors, which are the same as the receptors influenced by alcohol. Antidepressants are a class of medication of which some specific types have interactions with alcohol, especially atypical antidepressants. Antidepressants vary in their activity, with some having a sedative effect and some an excitatory effect. Medications with a sedative effect will interact with alcohol by having an enhanced level of sedation to that which is desired. Some atypical antidepressants also act in a way such that they can induce severe high blood pressure when consumed with tyramine. Tyramine is present in red wine 
And so people using these forms of medication should absolutely avoid red wine. Antihistamines can have a sedative effect, drowsiness and low blood pressure as side effects. These medications can act in a pharmacodynamic way with alcohol, whereby the sedation is increased and potentially dangerous. Barbiturates are sedatives, sleep-inducing medications. Some barbiturates activate the same molecules in the nervous system as alcohol, enhancing the side effect, which can be very harmful or deadly, as the severity of the effect is largely unknown and variable depending on alcohol consumption levels and on the individual. Then benzodiazepines have a hypnotic effect and their effects are also exacerbated by alcohol use. Aside from this, both alcohol and benzodiazepines have also been shown to have the effect of impairing memory and as such, they synergistically increase this effect when used in conjunction with one another. And this is how the effect has terribly been manipulated in date rape situations, whereby specific benzodiazepines and alcohol are mixed together to cause a severe sedative and memory-affecting results. Muscle relaxants, when taken with alcohol, can create a reaction with a narcotic-like effect a very undesirable one, whereby extreme weakness, agitation, and confusion can occur, among other side effects. Some anti-inflammatories accompany an increased risk of ulcers when taken with alcohol. Aspirin and ibuprofen cause increased bleeding when taken with alcohol in the gastrointestinal system. Acetaminophen can have toxic effects on the liver when taken with alcohol. Opioids and alcohol taken together have a distressingly increased sedative effect and can be lethal, as together they can suppress the cough reflex and breathing functions, causing people to be at risk of having things stuck in their airways and not being able to clear them, as well as simply being unable to breathe. Now, warfarin is an anticoagulant, whose desired effects are diminished by alcohol, even in small quantities, which allows for increased bleeding also. Quote, Pharmacodynamic interactions can occur with intermittent alcohol consumption and even after a single episode of drinking. End quote. Over-the-counter and herbal products also have wide and varied interactions with alcohol. Quote, organic substances from plants, herbal medications currently, are widely used. And many people assume that because these products are natural, they are also safe to use. This assumption may not always be correct. However, for example, chamomile, echinacea and valerian commonly are used as sleep aids. And like prescription and over-the-counter products that cause sedation, these herbal products may produce enhanced sedative effects in the central nervous system when combined with alcohol. In addition, liver toxicities caused by various natural products have now been identified, and their combination with alcohol may enhance 
potential adverse effects. Some health conditions should have particular attention paid to them with regards to the need to avoid alcohol consumption. Diabetes. Alcohol consumption can lead to even higher or lower levels of blood glucose, depending on other factors. Hyperlipidemia. This is an increased level of fat molecules in the blood, which alcohol consumptions further increases and worsens. And hypertension. Alcohol causes dose-dependent increases in blood pressure, and as such, a significant risk in those with already high blood pressure. And lastly, hepatitis C infection. Alcohol can increase the levels of liver damage in hepatitis C to a severe or sometimes fatal level. Sobertown, this is sobering. The more we peek behind the curtain and look into the physiology of what alcohol does to us, the more shocking it truly is. I cannot believe the incredibly broad nature of the damage alcohol consumption causes at both moderate levels, but especially high levels of use. And high levels are truly easy to reach. Sobertown, this shit is awful. No more heads in the sand pretending. This shit is just terrible. Please, if you are still drinking, be honest with your practitioners about your drinking. Seek help. And if you are using any medication and drinking, then as a general rule, do not simply expect there to be no interaction between the two, which could potentially cause you real harm. The interactions between alcohol and medications are vast and common, and alterations in medication processing may even be present during sober periods due to alcohol-induced changes to your body. The fact is, almost all varieties of medication include some or many specific medications which have negative interactions with alcohol, and these interactions can go both ways. They can dangerously increase medication action, or they can nullify its effects, making the medication effectively useless. Many modes of interaction occur also. We covered increased gastric emptying, reduced first-pass metabolism, prevention of enzyme function, change in metabolism, and reduction in antioxidant levels, as well as dangerously adding to the sedative effects or causing failure of choke reflexes and even respiratory function, among others, leading to outcomes such as liver toxicity, harm through lack of medication or overdose, and even death. This is broad, real, and relevant, Sobertown. I hope this information helps you to see the internal nature of alcohol and the way that it affects our body and organs with its broad firebomb napalm effect and how it can interact with medications to do very real harm to your body. So Sabertown, we have one simple goal here and that's to help as many people as we can get off the booze and stay off the booze and to live a better life. It's that simple. No other goals, no catch, no hidden agenda. So if you find this information or any of the other information helpful, then please, just spread the word. Thanks, Sobertown. I'll catch you later. Hey, Sobertown. I thought I'd follow up with just a quick discussion, um, just because I think that 
this is a really important topic, um, alcohol and medication. And to be honest, I think um, understanding what it actually does, alcohol, what actually does occur within our body and our various systems when we consume alcohol, I think it's really empowering to understand or to at least just have a bit more knowledge about what it does when we ingest it because it seems that it seems that the just the overall high level of acceptance of alcohol and the social normality and um, everything revolving around alcohol and the way it's marketed and accepted in our in our societies it seems that that's more powerful and that's been more powerful than really um, care for the the truth about how it acts within our body and in turn what it creates in our mind which um, which I find frustrating to be honest because it may seem like all of my investigations all of my my body on booze articles and, and recordings may just be a um, you know a massive whipping of alcohol but if I could find some some really genuinely good benefits uh, of alcohol to our body um, I'm I, I nearly wish I could I, I would absolutely report on that uh, it's just it's it does nothing nothing good uh, once we ingest it, it just it it does nothing. It has that that brief enjoyable psychoactive effect. Its drug effect, which is lovely. That's it. I mean, aside from that, which is um, uh, you know remarkably short lived. That's the only positive. I just I just I just can't find anything positive. There really isn't any it doesn't do anything to our body that's good nothing um, and any any reports on um, positive health effects they're oh man they're dramatically overplayed um, and and they usually as a result of just for example another small ingredient within certain uh, liquors like like our like our wine for example which you <laughs> Which you don't need from wine, you can uh, you can obtain from multiple other sources. So yeah, there, there just isn't any anything positive about consuming alcohol, except for this puny little short-lived psychoactive benefit. And so I just feel like this topic is just another one that's really important to understand because. It's a really unfair battle we've got here when we've got an addictive substance such as alcohol, an addictive drug in effect, which is completely legal um, and even encouraged in most of our societies uh, from which you're probably listening to this. And then on the other hand, we've got medications that are, well, largely very necessary um, for a lot of people to help us manage our health and to live better lives or to just counteract any disease and then you've got this you've got this invisible wall in the middle though where 
the two, they interact commonly, frequently, heavily, uh, and yet the, the two are kind of being separated, um, and not necessarily by any fault of um, our, our medical practitioners, but for one, they can't know. They, they don't know. We, we hide. We hide um, our addictions. We hide our consumptions. We, we lie to ourselves. Um, and if we lie to ourselves about our levels of consumption, then there's no way. There's no way that we're going to be honest with our practitioners. And so they don't know. And if they don't know, they can't safely prescribe you medication. It's, it's not possible. So we've got this, this weird action where we've got two drugs. One is legal and encouraged, but very detrimental, alcohol. And then we've got our, our medications that, for, for the most part, are positive, um, at least where needed or where appropriately, appropriately prescribed. But they're interacting with one another all the time with so many people and some people don't know some people may have you know been told something from a pharmacist or a medical doctor or read the box of their antibiotics which says do not consume with alcohol and thought as with a lot of side effects eh, it's probably not a big deal um you know everyone else does it whatever and gone ahead with it where in reality there's very real there's very real chemical interactions between the two you're taking two drugs at once which interact and this generally has negative consequences i haven't seen any evidence of anything positive um, and that can be really dangerous toxic or fatal um, through the means which i described in this previous recording so i just find it a very um, frustrating thing uh, because this is firstly almost impossible to manage properly when we've got so much so much consumption call it addiction or not we've got so much consumption of alcohol some people may claim to um, consume alcohol even moderately um, but even if that means a small amount of alcohol on most days of the week but they're taking their medication every day of the week well guess what that's still potentially a negative interaction um, even if they think they're taking their meds at a certain time and they're drinking at another time it's as, uh, as I've already recorded the reasons for, it still interacts. So I just feel like this is a really important topic. And Sobertown, I think it's really important to empower yourself with this knowledge of just how alcohol affects our body, how it interacts with other things such as medication, and just how few positive effects it, it actually it genuinely has compared to incredible masses of negative effects especially compounded over time it's um it's just impossible to deny when you actually get ultra logical get really vulcan about it and look at it closely do some maths and man it just doesn't add up there's just so many negatives it's i think it's just habit addiction and societal norms uh, if those if those weren't in the equation for alcohol guess what ethanol alcohol would be out on its ass i just don't think we would be consuming it very frequently at all so 
really that's my thoughts it's um it's just that these topics are really important and alcohol does interact with medications now not all medications i'll grant that but a really broad range of medications across really broad applications um, do have intera interactions with alcohol and, and, and these are all dangerous, negative, bad for our health. So know your enemy. I think us understanding as much as we can about alcohol gives us the knowledge and power to reinforce to ourselves why it is that we're on this journey why it is that our lives are better without alcohol and even if you have days where you just feel like sobriety is too damn hard well the alternative it ain't any good so we can then realize that and figure out how to get through these bad days because the better ones they're just around the corner but anyway that's just my thoughts for the minute sober town i'll catch you later